0: If you have your Bibles for a, a few moments today, let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 6. Luke, the sixth chapter. We will begin reading with verse number 6. I will have to say that we had a great prayer meeting around here last night. And when it was all said and done, they wound up baptizing two brand new people. In the lovely name of Jesus. And I'm not sure one of them may have received the Holy Ghost. So it's good to be in prayer meeting on Saturday night. You never know God's going to do greater things than that. I believe He's going to do it in the middle of our services. Amen. It's just going to fall like rain. I'm expecting that. Luke chapter 6, verse number 6. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and talked. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. The scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth forth thy hand and he did so and his hand was restored whole as the other I realize this morning that I am probably not going to be preaching to everybody that's in this place but I do feel that the Lord has laid on my heart a message and a word for someone. Brother Peden so aptly opened this service with the introduction of one who cares about the individual. Amen. He's not into the masses. He's into the individual. He's concerned about me and my welfare and where I'm at. And I I think there's... I'm going to be talking about may not apply to everyone, but I think there's a principle that probably applies to all of us. I have a very lengthy title this morning. I don't even think they can get it all on that one screen back there. But this is my subject. What has happened is not as important As what can happen. Would you say that with me? What has happened is not as important as what can happen. Would somebody believe with me this morning that God's going to do something before this service is over. That will lose somebody in this building. Would you do that right now? Lord, we love you and we believe you and we put ourselves in your hands right now and ask you to use us for your glory and to touch the heart and life of someone in this building in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is one of seven... Miracles that are recorded to have taken place on the Sabbath. If you go through scripture, you will find that there are six other than this one that are recorded. Mark, Luke, and John uh, pinning, bringing into our remembrance things that happened on the Sabbath. In Mark 1 and 23, the Bible speaks of an unclean spirit that was in a man being cast out and he being put back into a right state of mind and life. And Mark 1 and 30 tells us about Peter's mother-in-law who was sick of a fever and unable to minister. In Luke 13, uh, we are told of a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bowed together. In Luke 14, we meet a man, the Bible said, who had the dropsy. And in John 5, we are introduced to a a man who lay by the pool, Bethesda, who was impotent, unable to get to the water. John 9, he talks about a man that was born blind and yet the lord restored his sight when i looked at those seven miracles that happened on the sabbath there is only one of them that we probably know the name of the individual and that would be peter's mother-in-law the others are simply introduced to us as a certain man or a certain woman And so it is with our text. It introduces us to a man without a name, but not without a problem. Amen. A man with a name that we do not know. He is simply the man with the withered hand. And so many other instances are in Scripture that it's generic. It's left open to the imagination I believe that perhaps the reason for that is so you and I could identify with that certain man or certain woman. He could be talking about me today. He could be speaking to me through his word. Well, what caused this man's condition, we don't really know. But it really doesn't matter what caused the problem. It doesn't matter what caused the issue. Perhaps just life, I I don't know. Things can happen in life that wound us and hurt us. Things that happen in life that strike us in the most vulnerable places and we are not the same. But the causes of life's woes are not, to me, as important as the cure For life's woe. And I believe there is a cure for every woe in life. Amen. We know from Mark's writings of this same story. That this was not a congenital disease. He did not inherit it from birth. It was something that had happened to him. On the pathway of life. One day he was fine. And then something happened that changed all of that. One day, everything worked ordinary and as should, and then something happened that forever changed. And something that had been alive and vibrant and very much a part of his everyday living began to dry up and shrivel and shrink away. He was dealing with growing paralysis and less function and mobility and less cooperation from that member of his body. And so it was. Luke tells us that it was his right hand, important to me simply because the right hand was the hand of power or it was the hand of contract, it was the hand of authority and validity. It simply meant that the man was unable to seal the deal that because of his problem and because of the issue in his life his he was unable to grasp hold and make contract with with men and so he was ostracized and pushed to the side and marginalized in life but more important than all of those details is that it was withered the hand was withered i I thought the word was powerful when I read it, but I realized that it was much more powerful than I had even imagined. When I began to dig into the meaning of the word, and I found that the root of the word comes from a word that indicates a loss of blood flow, something deprived of its natural bodily fluids, a cutting off. It means to desiccate. It means... That something dries up, something declines, something withers, it wastes and weakens in a process of time, not an overnight thing, but a process of time. There is the shrinking and the shriveling of the hand so that it becomes of no use. And it speaks of a long-term process, not a sudden thing. It was progressive. It grew colder. It grew less responsive. Somehow I feel like perhaps it is because of the gradualness of this thing that we often lose the significance of what it represented because it wasn't a sudden disaster or catastrophe. This man learned to live with his handicap. He learned to live with his limitation. And every day it was a little less than the day before. But as time goes on, it's amazing how you adjust to these things. And you get used to living that way. It's amazing. I remember sitting in a restaurant one evening and... Um The lights were normal, and then all of a sudden, at five o'clock boom somebody hit a button somewhere, and pfft, the lights dimmed oh, you couldn 't read you get the menu up like this so we 're trying to get our phones out to but you know it 's amazing sitting there for just a little while how my eyes soon grew accustomed to that darkened state, and I could read not maybe as clearly but I could still function that's what happens to a lot of people in life it's not a sudden thing that happens it's something that goes on for years in a person's life And <clears throat> they get used to it being that way and they think that's the way it is and that's just the way my life is and so it was with this man it just progressively got worse and worse and colder and unresponsive more and more unworkable every day. But though there are some things that we can surmise about him, there's one thing that I've never been able to get clear in my mind. I know that there are some who believe that this handicap was an indication that he was unable to work. But I find nothing in Scripture that indicates that. He could work just not as efficiently as he used to. He could still function, but he wasn't as effective as he once was. Life was simply limited, and he had learned to live within its limitations. It had been reduced in some manner, and he had learned to live in this incompleteness or this, narrower way of life. He could not grasp or hold on to anything with that hand, but he could with the other hand. And it's like it is in most cases of the human body, when there's a loss in one area, the other parts of the body try to make up for its deficiency. He was incapable of doing what he should have been able to do, but he grew Accustomed to that. His problem affected him. Listen to me. His problem affected him, but it did not stop him. Amen. The withered hand did not stop life. It wasn't a train wreck. But it simply limited its potential. It did not keep him from living. It simply kept him from living up to the possibilities that were inherent in his own life. Yet in spite of his problem, (laughs) it appears that he still did a lot of normal things that everybody else does. And one of them was he kept going to church. You see... Withered things cannot keep you from coming to the house of God, but they can sure hinder you from enjoying the blessings once you get there. Amen. A withered hand didn't stop him from living, and yet he comes to the house of God and he is found to be wanting. Withered parts do not keep us from coming into A place of help. But it often keeps us from enjoying the blessings that are available there. They do not stop you from going on with life. It just prevents you from experiencing life at its greatest and at its optimum level. It didn't affect his whole body. It was just his hand. And sometimes because it's not that big a deal... That's exactly what we make it, not that big a deal. But can you understand this simple preacher today when I tell you that God wants you to be whole? I I am amazed at how many people that I have known in my spiritual journey that felt like that their incapacities were things that they just had to learn how to live with. And they failed to understand that one of the things that Jesus did more often than others when dealing with the infirm was to make them whole. He put them back in the order in which their lives should have been. He put things back into a working order as it ought To have been. It is not the will of God for you or I or anyone else sitting on these pews to live on some lesser level and just get by and come to church but never really experience the fullness of joy. Never really have a breakthrough in our life. Never be able to push beyond those hindrances that so affect our life. It is not the will of God if there's anything that I can tell you this morning that God has come into this place to loose some of you and to heal that withered part of your life and make it whole so that it will function. I'm here to tell you that there's life after trouble. There's life after disappointment. There's life after being knocked down. There's life after being crushed. There's life after all of the pain and the turmoil. There's life beyond that. And not a limited life, but a full life. Can I tell someone here today that it really doesn't matter what has happened to you? I'm not trying to make light of that. And please don't misread what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt. And I'm not saying that it didn't affect you. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is... What happened to you isn't near as important as what God would like to do for you today. Hallelujah. I wish I could get some of you to believe that. I wish I could get you to buy into that. I wish you could get hold of that. That what has happened to me. Quit living in what has happened to you. And start experiencing what can happen to you. God can heal you. He can make you whole. He can make every part of your life work as it's supposed to work. He can put you back in a place of usefulness. He can put you back in a place where you fulfilled your destiny. Come on and clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise right now. And on that day, the Lord met in me and changed everything. Now, it may not be your hand that's withered today. I dare say it's probably not anything physical. What I'm talking about is probably more spiritual than anything. It may not be the hand, but when Jesus was in the... The the synagogue that day, he was dealing with more than a man with a withered hand. He was dealing with men with withered hearts. Men who should have known the law and they should have known the compassions of God. But they were so divorced from that love of God and that compassion and they were so caught up in the legal aspect of the law, that they forgot the giver of the law. And so he was dealing with men whose hearts had become withered. And so it is even here today that life somehow can do that to us. The Bible speaks of it in the book of Psalms. The psalmist said, My heart is sick, it is withered like grass, and I have lost my appetite. There is a coldness and a hardness that creeps into life and it comes over us gradually. Love grows cold and we we, we disconnect and we, th- there's a hardness that begins to rise up in us. We become disengaged and we're divided in our loyalty and in our thinking and hurts have a way of doing that. They have a way of callousing us over and feelings that ought to be there are somehow, uh, they're anesthetized, so to speak, and they're made unable to respond. And the tenderness that was once there and the love that used to flow out is no longer flowing because the heart has been hardened. It's withered. It's... It's unresponsive even even now. There's a, there's a part of you that hears the intellect, hears what the preacher's saying, but the heart seems unable to respond. And, and if you don't get the heart and the mind together, working together, the good work of God will never be accomplished in your life. Somehow, there's got to be a connection between what goes on in the mind and what happens in the heart And it was on this level that he was dealing with these men. He said, you may not have this man's problem, but you have a bigger problem because your heart, the most important part of your being, I can't touch it anymore. I, I can't move it. I can't affect it. I can't reach it. I can't touch it. I can't move it any longer. Withered hearts can come because of life's harshness and life's, unfairness and its inequality there are just some things about life that can put an edge on you amen it's really quiet right now but i'm comfortable i feel the holy ghost i know what god gave me to preach today amen there's some people in this building right now that need god to work on your heart for a little while today you need god to massage it break that callousness away and and, and that hardness he, you you need to let him do something today that would so move that heart that tears could flow again that there would be something move him when people try, that would convict you and make you want to reach out to him when people try to love you you push them away when people try to draw you close Because you've been hurt too many times, you keep them at a distance. And God's wanting to move that distance out of your life. He's wanting to do something right now that will draw you back in. That's why his words to the man with the withered hand was stand for. Come on over here. I need you to step out. I need you to get up here where I can do something with you. And that's why some of you sitting here today and standing in this place a little while ago. Worshiping God. You felt something pulling you. You couldn't understand what it was. You didn't know what it was. But it was the holy ghost trying to draw you close to him so he can touch that heart and make it whole again and give you life and breathe into you that love and that compassion and mercy back into your life oh Oh, i feel him right now he's pulling he's drawing he's saying come on don't stay at a distance don't try to live from me at a distance. Come on, close to me. Maybe it's not your heart that's withered. Maybe it's your faith. You know, it used to be so strong you could believe God for anything. But you've been through so much. And there have been so many prayers that God didn't seem to answer. That your faith has taken a beating. It's not as strong as it used to be. As a matter of fact, you kinda, you try to keep it hid most of the time. I'm sure that man did the same. You see, it's easy to hide a withered hand. You can come to church and look like everybody else. You can smile. You can even worship. You can sing all the right words but not have the melody. Man, somehow it never gets here. Faith that was boundless. Faith that could believe God. Some of you sitting on these pews this morning, God has used you in miraculous ways in the past. But that's been the past. Something happened. Something crushed that faith. Something put it down. Something pushed it to the side. Loss. Life. Maybe it was betrayal. That seems to be the thing that hurts us the most is when people betray us. It's hard for us to believe again. It's hard for us to trust One thing the Lord spoke to me a couple of days ago is that He wants to get some of you to trust Him again. He wants to get some of you to trust Him again. Amen. He wants you to rely on Him. He wants you to depend on Him alone. You see, the word trust comes from a root word which means to literally lay yourself Over on something. That when I'm trusting. I'm not standing under my own will. Or my own power. I'm not holding myself up. But I'm being supported by something else. I don't have the strength to stand up. I don't have the strength to hold on. But there's a hand. stand on my own. That I trust. That even when I don't have the strength. To stand on my own two feet. His hand will never fail me. His hand will never let me down. Even when I'm going down, there's going to be a hand come underneath me and say, Come on, you don't belong down there. You belong up here. This is where you need to be. There's something about the mercy of God that is so strong and so powerful that it doesn't matter what has happened to you. What matters is what can happen to you in this place today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe it's your dreams that have withered. Some of you have lost hope. You don't like to talk about it. It's not even comfortable for me to preach about it. That's why we get so quiet. Because these are things we usually keep hidden. We don't want anybody to know we're struggling with our faith. We don't want anybody to know we're having a hard time. We keep it hidden. We keep it well disguised. We can paint up the rest of it. We can dress up the rest of it. We can do the right actions and say the right words and we can posture ourselves in the right manner and something still be wrong that God wants to make right. You see, God's not happy with me being just partially what I could be. He's not happy with you just coming sitting on a pew, just occupying the space. God wants you to be engaged he wants you and I to be involved all of us should be we we should all be epistles written and read of all men we should all Be a witness. We should all be people who are reaching out to others that don't know the Lord. There shouldn't. We shouldn't allow something that's happened to us handicap us and marginalize us. When some of you have the greatest testimony that anyone could even imagine, but you know what the devil does? He tries to take all of your failures and everything that's gone wrong and everything that's happened, and he uses them to press you down and say, "Yeah, you, 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 you might have a testimony, but you're." never going to be able to give it out because of this and this and this and the lord said i want to free you from this and this and this because the world needs to hear your testimony they need to hear the witness of what god can do he can raise you up from brokenness he can heal hearts that have been put down and crushed to life. he can do something in your life that will put you on an upward path out of that misery amen So it doesn't matter what's happened to you. What's more important is what God wants to do for some of you this morning. I'm not asking you to do something for me. I'm asking you to do it for you. All right? I'm not trying to twist your arm to do something that you don't want to do. I'm trying to get you to understand that there's something God wants to do that can totally change the rest of your life. Amen. He wants a hand to be restored. He wants it to work again. He wants it to be able to function, to be used. He's tired of seeing you going through life worshiping like this. He's tired of seeing you going through life trying to make it like this. God wants to see you like this. He, he wants to see you like this. Amen. He wants me to be whole. He wants the whole of my life to work as it should. So it doesn't matter what's happened. What matters is what can happen today. Amen. And can you understand that the Lord is trying to draw you out? He's trying to pull you out. Of your hiding. I, I don't know. Perhaps the man that we're talking about when he came to church, he found a corner somewhere. I kinda have the idea that may have been the case because of the words that Jesus used. He he actually the word used in the Greek indicates he was asleep. Now I don't know if he was physically asleep or just mentally asleep. He had gotten used to living this way. He'd gotten used to this function of life being like this and so he's over in a corner somewhere hidden away nobody will see him sitting back among the stuff you know looking around somebody else I'm not pointing out anybody this morning I'm just saying that's just kind of how it must have been because the Lord said stand forth come out from there wake up come on wake your mind up wake your spirit up and realize what is available to you right now and if I could do anything today I would want to wake somebody up because it doesn't matter how long you've been in that condition it doesn't matter what's happened in your life what matters is what God wants to do for you this morning hallelujah I saw him do it last night in a simple prayer meeting. Somebody that came in that was hungry. And they said, no, we're not going home. They said, well, we can baptize you tomorrow. And they said, no, we don't want to wait till tomorrow. We want to be baptized tonight. So they filled the baptistry up and baptized them last night at the end of a prayer meeting. I'm talking about the kind of God that wants to do something right now. Not tomorrow or not Sunday night or not Wednesday night or some other hour. But God wants to do something. He wants to heal a part of your life that's been shriveled up and dried up and has restricted you from really enjoying living for God. You know what? It's been so long since it's been a joy for you to live for God. God wants to put that joy back in your spirit. He wants to make you so happy you don't know what to do with yourself. Oh, I wish I could get somebody to believe that. (laughs) Ah, yes. He wants you to believe again. He wants you to have faith again. He needs you to have faith in Him again. (laughs) Oh, yes. God wants you to trust Him again. He wants you to dream again. He wants you to feel again. Stand with me if you will. (laughs) Hallelujah. It was a simple command and yet profound effects came from the simple obedience of that simple command. Amen. What I believe is so important for all of us to understand today is that there's a certain point of vulnerability that we must be willing to come to before the Lord can do anything in our life. We have to put ourselves in a position where He can do it. That's why He said, come forth. He didn't know what the Lord was going to do. He had no idea what the outcome was going to be. He just simply knew that what he felt what was drawing him compelled him to believe that it didn't matter what had happened to him. It didn't matter what had put him in this state. It didn't matter how long he had been that way. It didn't matter who had done it to him. It didn't matter. What mattered is what God wanting to do for him right there. But there's that moment that you have to be vulnerable, that you've got to trust the Word of God and you've got to step out from that pew where you're at and say, you know what, Lord? I'm entrusting my heart. I'm entrusting my mind. I'm entrusting my faith. I'm entrusting my life in your hands. You have to forget about everybody else you got to forget about what people think or what they say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think or say. I'm sure there were thoughts on that day, but it it doesn't even record what anybody thought or said that day. The only thing that mattered was that he responded, that he put himself in a place where the Lord could take care of a problem. All I'm asking you to do today is just put yourself in a place where God can touch you. He can put His hand on that heart. He can put His hand on your mind. He can speak a word of command to faith and it live again. Just as He commanded Lazarus to come forth, He can speak faith. Come forth. <laughs> and that faith that has been dead, dormant, in my life, can rise. It begins to breathe again. Amen. Amen. Reach over and take somebody by the hand right now. The Holy Ghost is here right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I can't do what needs to be done right now. I've done all I know to do. I've just been a messenger, Lord. But right now is your time. <laughs> He don't lo